0: to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am very pleased to be joined today by Jennifer Catrulia, a partner at Citroen Cooperman. Jennifer, thanks so much for taking the time.
1: Hi, Steve. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, I'm really excited to talk with you a little bit about some changes in the world that we are all dealing with and your uh, thoughts and expertise on that. But before I jump into those questions, could you just introduce uh, your organization? What is Citroen Cooperman? What do you do there?
1: Sure. So Citrin Cooperman is a top 25 CPA firm, so 25th largest in the country, and we are a full practice CPA firm, audit, tax, advisory, um, and a variety of special services. Um, and among the, the clients we serve, certainly the nonprofit space is, is a significant part of our client base.
0: So you're available to help people with those business questions of, you know, um, doing the best possible reporting and work that we can do to understand impact in community. There's a lot that we could talk about in just those spaces, but I'm I'm excited to take a moment now to kind of think we are almost a full year into this COVID pandemic and um, people have had to learn things about both how they work within their own organizations, their employees, their, their connections there, but also within community differently from how we've ever had to do it before. And I think for a while there many of us were just thinking, can't wait to get back to normal. This is all going to just go back to normal. But now that we've been doing things this way for a while, some of it is not going to just revert to what it used to be. And there's a lot of potential ways that that can impact people. So if you have a client that comes up to you and says, boy, I'm, I'm not sure about this, remote Working thing, or about this piece of it, or however they may begin the conversation. How do you help them start thinking about, boy, what are we doing now that really sets us up for a long run, not just a short-term adaptation to a change, but maybe a longer-term change in how business gets done?
1: Sure, and this is really happening, you know, all the time for us. Uh, and and the really the biggest and a quick suggestion is, it's time to sit down and have a conversation. Over the last year, you know, certainly first everyone um, needed to respond quickly to getting everyone working from home to figuring out short term financing and and certainly through the past year how to continue to make the best of whether it was government programs, changes in in funding of of all kinds, and again, adjusting to the working environment. everyone's gotten through in, in the best possible way they could find find to do that. Now, um, it's really important since we are going to be continuing down this path for a while to sit down and look at Everything from a best practice business standpoint, so marketing, sales, finance, technology, um, governance, so the board that's in place, and and look at does the organization have what it needs to successfully navigate the months ahead, um, what changes need to be made, um, and and be willing to to actually execute uh, with that plan.
0: So it seems so big to me, anyway. That there's you know a lot of the very first easy things. I was just talking with somebody earlier today about the fact that um, in my business, I often in the past would travel to a client's office and sit down and talk with them in person once a week. You know, if there's a regular relationship, whatever. Fair amount of time going between other people's spaces. That, of course, hasn't happened for a very long time for me. We've been having those meetings, but they've all been virtual. I don't know that almost any of those are going to go back to in person. I, I I'm just not sure that that's necessary anymore. And for me, part of it was a little bit. I'd suggested some of these tactics in the past to clients that I've worked with, who were just reluctant to try them, but now they've been forced to. Um, And I don't know how much of that part might be like driving subsequent domino style changes. If I don't drive out to people's spaces to talk to them very often, um, what else does that mean for how I'm using my time? What else does that mean for how we think? Is it those kinds of beginning dominoes that you help people think through? Or how do you start thinking of like, how do all these little changes add up to potential things that might be coming six months or a year down the line?
1: sure and and certainly that's been a big impact obviously the change in live events as a source of a lot of funding but just day-to-day work in terms action as you mentioned and so the advantage or the opportunity here is that there are people who have been working remotely for a long time and who specialize it you know i'm i'm one of them i've worked remotely since 2004 uh, with a national uh practice presence um and there are other professionals who have done the same so uh, you know the hardest thing is to not have a plan and not um, seek guidance from from those who have been doing it and can help um, eliminate that that vague space so you can Mm -hmm. move forward and so um, sitting down, getting, uh, again, a focus on what technology is needed, how can you actually leverage the virtual environment um, in some ways to get more done during the day, since you don't have to go from place to place? Um, how can you use that to actually fit more conversations in the day, but drive engagement, which is, a, you know, often a problem is that you can get people on camera, but, but can you actually keep their attention oh and drive <laughs> and drive um, action after that?
0: That's uh so interesting to be to hear you say that that uh, you know I've also had a remote setup since before then um, the pandemic. Um, and the the number of people that are now trying to get a hold of a decent camera for a desktop computer rather than just trying to struggle on a laptop anymore and just not being able to get some equipment that you may need because the uh, the demand is so much higher now and and all of those things it's it's that combination of just the little things like you know do you even have a camera for remote work that really helps you versus um, um, not the little tiny pieces. But it seems to me it's that bigger question mark of if you aren't having people commuting into a job or going to a client site or whatnot, what is a, a, a productivity expectation? How do you kind of think about measuring that? Um, because people still will need to stand up between meetings and and go get a cup of coffee or whatever but it isn't just you know now I'm eight hours in a day plus in front of a computer and therefore I have eight hours of productivity um, when you talk about some of the the human resources connections part how do you help people think through you know working uh, on expectations with folks that aren't in the space anymore
1: Sure. So I I think it's part of it, as you mentioned, is just getting the scheduling right and getting the workday right. And so things like scheduling a 50-minute meeting so that you do have the 10 minutes in between, Um, solving for the equipment challenges, which fortunately is so much more affordable now than it was before, Um, but also being intentional about taking, you know, the lunchtime, the breaks, um, scheduling in across a team, making sure there are team building activities that are um, are not work related and that are social. Unfortunately, many of them are still on camera, but right. making sure that they are um, that they're easiest you know, for everyone to navigate and in dealing with the public, then um, again, being intentional about the scheduling of meetings, allowing for the time in between so that you don't have runovers and you're respectful of everyone. Um, it's, it comes down to really having a plan and, and being able to stick to it and being flexible.
0: And, you know, I think one of the challenges in the nonprofit sector is uh, so many of the organizations are really trying to communicate to the broader public and what they do. And as you mentioned earlier, um, events were often a big part of that. Sometimes they're fundraising events. Sometimes they're just, you know, the mission event. Uh, you're, you're, you're doing the book drive in the community. You're, you're doing whatever. And those things not happening the way they used to happen um, it raises a challenge here, I think, where we talk about what do you need to manage the work of the employees and staff of the organization versus what do you need to connect to people where they are about supporting your mission? Um, and it seems to me that those sometimes may be very different needs and might need different tools, but it also may mean that there's charities that say, well, we invested in Zoom for the one thing, so let's just do everything through Zoom, because we have that now, we paid for it, let's, let's do that. Um, do you talk through those kinds of questions with clients and, and how do you help them think through whether they need different things for public facing versus what they might use internally?
1: Sure, uh, we do. And and equipment is certainly a part of the equation, making sure that um, from a visual standpoint that the, the uh, communications and meetings and things like that will be attractive and again, engaging without being distracting. But I also think a, a big part of the shift has been uh, the fact that all of the socializing that was done um, to build relationships uh, in an in-person setting now really needs to be done through social selling and social engagement and and social awareness. So um, organizations that may be historically used their website and use social media for announcing events and for updates and for really as a scheduling um, an event calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, and in short bits are now really needing to learn to build those relationships and support and drive funding um, through social channels. and And so I think that's a, a big shift and, and a necessary um, commitment of time.
0: So when you talk about the public being engaged with an organization around things, you know we, we always had that, as you said social media website tool. Um, are, are are there expectations out there that you're working with clients through about you know the the limitations of that and you know how in the past maybe somebody could come into the building and there would be a one on one interaction? Are we setting up in the future for virtual one on one type interactions? It seems to me so much of what's happening is more we will broadcast a group thing to you and you can watch it versus. You know, we're going to interact with folks and maybe even smaller groups of people, maybe one on one. I'm not seeing that as much yet, but is that change coming?
1: Uh, at a minimum, I think it's going to be gradual. I okay. certainly don't expect you're going to see large gatherings. Um, you know, one of certainly the types of events that you saw change dramatically and quickly was, uh, you know, the golf tournaments and the other yeah. uh, crowd types of events. So um, I do, th- and people now have. Those who weren't comfortable with the technology before and hopping on a Zoom call or something like that now know they can do it from their desk, their phone, anywhere else. So I think that when you want to be able to in a way that's convenient for your your donor or for the public or and for your relationships, offer multiple ways for them to get to you. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things for a while. Is is we'll have to appeal to all people in the place they're in. So some will prefer to hop on a, a you know a video call, whereas others will still want a small gathering when it becomes possible. Um, and when we're talking about these social calls, some of them may be informational. Some of them may be, you know, there've been a number of social engagements, whether it's, um, you know, the wine tastings or the, um, trivia (laughs) events or the things like that.
0: No, I think that there's some success being found in those things that are reaching broader audiences than maybe they would have if they had done, you know, the trivia night at the local pub kind of thing, only available to people that, you know, felt comfortable getting to the local pub, however close that might have been to them, as opposed to now where your audience can be a much broader group of people doing the trivia night or the other kind of thing. Um, But it is still, I think, you know, there was a, a time when this shifted from we will do all this the in-person stuff that we used to do just remotely but very much kind of broadcasty you know and you can do this as opposed to how are we thinking about what these tools do where um, it's more interactive and participatory uh, and I'm not at least with this, the more mid-sized nonprofits, I'm not seeing that as much yet. And I'm wondering you know, if, if that's coming and will be a change. And I'll, I'll throw one example on to ask you to kind of respond to is a um, client organization that I'm working with had done a lot of um, uh, author talks and whatnot in a local building that they owned. That's just where they were. And now that they've been um, doing a very similar format, but streamed, uh, they're, they're finding a, more of their audiences now coming from outside the community than came from inside the community when they did them in person. Uh, the, there's been a shift in the last in nine months or so where th- they really thought of themselves as this local service organization. But because anybody can jump onto the stream thing from anywhere and people are sharing that um, you know, program opportunity, all the rest of it do they start thinking we we never stop streaming the thing maybe we add the in person component back in but we our our definition of audience has now changed because of this thing and we have to start thinking about our business differently because of that
1: for sure, I think that's one of the, you know, certainly unanticipated opportunities or um, upsides that's been found here is the opportunity to reach so many more people um, and and do it in a way that again is convenient and and uh, where engagement can be expanded. I think that um, what is a differentiator then and is going to be important is the competitive landscape, then organizations that are adopting this and are comfortable and, and where the community feels comfortable interacting with them and excited about it um, is going to shift, you know, some of the loyalties and attention away from organizations that have been slower to adopt this and slower to um, find ways to connect with the community this way. So the skill sets are different, whether it's the governance from the boards or the executive directors and leadership through the organization, there has to be, it has to be very intentional um, and yet still comfortable, which is a difficult mix (laughs) to, to, um, create those connections and do it consistently so that their relationships are, are, um, gaining not only context, but, but depth as well.
0: How do you see your role helping surface those questions and resolve them Uh, as an outside support for organizations? um, Where do you see kind of maybe even pushing some questions or if did they just come to you with that? I'm wondering how that practically works in the day to day as you're discussing these things with clients.
1: Yes. So certainly we want to listen to the specific organization and issues they're seeing in their day-to-day, but a lot of it because we're working with so many clients across the country, um, you know, we have the opportunity to leverage knowledge that we have from, from that, those conversations and those data that data, and also um, the challenges, but where we're seeing the success stories. So we'll leverage that to get a sense of where the organization is right now, um, what they are seeing work, and then share what we're seeing work for similar organizations or in similar geographic areas. um, All of the advice that we can bring to the table including how to get that education and that experience and we'll help support it. If I have to, um, certainly with many clients, I'm testing zoom calls and testing, you know, virtual events and, and, and dress rehearsals and and things like that. Um, and suggesting, um, the activities and, and again, helping to measure the results of those so we can continue to, to learn and to tweak things and to improve. And, and that's in addition to the accounting and making sure that the changes the organizations are making, um, Still, actually, put them in the position to best leverage the financial resources, whether it's the stimulus packages or you mm-hmm. know loan opportunities or funding and, and grants. We we also want to align all of this with making sure that it puts them in the best financial position as well.
0: Yeah, that too has been such a challenge that I, I hope is going to be a you know a shorter term thing that we figure out. Here's what the um, stimulus availability is for these organizations that will eventually stop happening because things will recover, we'll be in a better place. That maybe won't be a long term, but we do absolutely need to manage it in the short term and think about those things. Um, I personally am a little concerned about the whole um, how much debt do you take on versus how much scaling back do you do for organizations that are challenged in this time. Some of the folks I'm working with are doing better. Uh, than they did prior to the pandemic. And that is you know counterintuitive for some nonprofits to go, what do you mean you, you can do better uh, financially. you can you know, And, and some of it I want to ask you about in terms of cost reduction, um, that may be tools that are out there. But some of it for the folks I'm working with is actually increased donations because of that increased audience. And I think that there's real opportunity there that may continue forward um, as we go. Uh, that's a little unknown yet. Um, but I do think that talking about do you take on um, even the fairly generous terms of, of uh, PPP or, or idle types of debt um, and you know, how much of that is forgivable and all those questions, um, those are still big. I thought maybe we would resolve those with the first round, right? That the, you know, here's what you're eligible to forgive and here's the rest that's going to be debt. You should have some sense. But now there's more available. There's more opportunity to think about that. Debt has got to be a big question mark you're working with people on.
1: Absolutely. Yes. So certainly the PPP lending, um, where that can be forgiven, that's been a a big boost, you know, for organizations. Um, even with the, the PPP, we're sensitive to the fact that organizations need to learn how to ultimately live without it, even if they do get this second round and, and continue forward. But you know, there won't continue to be infusions of, of that money right. um, and the forgiveness. You know, many um, whether organizations looked at EIDL or now they're the, so the Economic Injury Disaster Loans or now there's certainly the um, Employee Retention Credits, the Save Our Stages. You know, there there are a number of things that are available to. To organizations where they are fit, but to your point, um, where it is debt, um, that is something that, especially if we don't see the money and the the um, profitability come back—and I'll use profitability loosely—but the cash yeah. come back to be able to cover that debt, um, organizations are going to have to deal with this for up to 30 years. And what many don't realize is that the reporting requirements um, it can require a level of. Um, financial statement review that maybe the organization doesn't have right now, or it can require um, reporting and accounting that isn't necessary right now. So there are things that, um, again, it comes back to having a conversation, fully understanding what you're doing. Um, and, and of course, then it comes down to a decision about, you know, um, best thoughts for the organization. But if it's money that is going to have to be repaid later, that's, that's really a big concern.
0: Yeah, I have um, a very specific situation I want to ask you about because we have conflicting views, and I'd be interested in your thought. That I have an organization that's doing pretty well um, on its uh, um, owner ongoing donations and other types of support. Um, they really don't need the debt, but uh, they got an idle loan at a you know thirty-year, unbelievably cheap, unguaranteed rate, and like, well, let's just take it. You know, maybe we'll need it later and we might not be able to get it later if we need it later. Should we hold on to this debt for some unforeseen period of time? It's still debt. You know, three whatever percent interest is cheap debt, but it's still debt. And, you know, how do you help think through do you really need that? And do you hang on to it just because this is a really odd moment where you can get essentially unsecured, um, fairly inexpensive credit?
1: Yeah, I I do think, especially right now, that getting in the situation where there is debt without the certainty, especially over such a long period of time, which that's, I think, the the thing is that this is the equivalent of a a home mortgage, uh, you know, that you're counting on the fact that the organization is going to be able to cover those payments for that significant period of time. Um, And there's so many unknowns that at the point that you would actually need to draw down on that money. You, that's when you would most need it to be forgiven or not a debt. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that really um, in what I see with clients is the biggest concern is that unless you have some um, very unique certainty about the ability of the organization to come back and to be able to cover that and, and have that long-term view, um, then, then the debt really is, is something to consider very, very carefully. And it is costing you day to day, you know, even at a few percentage points.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's tempting when organizations may not have been offered anything like those terms before to see them, but then go, well, it's it's still that, it's still something. And I, I appreciate that uh, advice that, you know, when, when you think that you're holding on to it for that day when you're really going to need it is the time you might not want to be making that
1: payment back. Right, right, <laughs> yes. Any fixed expenses um, when when you're in a, a bad situation, again, as most of us know personally, yeah. is the worst time to have that that cost.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about some of those things that can be due to managing the other side of the ledger that, um, you know, as we talk about uh, the moving forward in this post covid space of um, what what might be a lower expense and in you know certainly the obvious thing that seems to be on everybody's mind is how much office space uh, do we need going forward how much are we paying for that type of um, collaborative environment that we want everybody to be physically in if more and more of us are going gosh i don't actually want to go back to the office if i don't have to and now that we've had this experiment maybe i don't have to um, the there's a cultural problem there. And then there's a technology business management question um, that, that both have to get resolved, I think, as people look forward. But uh, I assume one of those things that people are talking about is do we let go of some space uh, and do things differently? And how do you help clients begin to think about that?
1: We do look at it and we look at, you know, certainly the social interaction, uh, the drive, of course, for everybody to want to go back to an office is as much the the ability to separate home and and work, but also um, that. Connection and, and being able to work together in person, um, and and invite people in uh, for that community interaction again. But certainly the cost savings is is one thing to look at, and if you are able to find ways to accomplish those other things um, creatively, then then certainly the dollars to be saved is is incredibly attractive. <laughs> and and uh, but there are offsets, such as with everyone going home so quickly. You know, it was a matter of can we get by and get connected. But yeah. in a lot of cases, they'll look at things like cybersecurity security and you know using your own devices and and the cost of the equipment, things like that um, hasn't been adequately considered or budgeted for. So it's not a direct offset of let's just get rid of the office. Um, and in addition, that social outreach uh, that social outreach is important um, as, you know, there's going to be some community pressure to get back out there in some form. um, And it's going to become a competitive landscape about who, you know, finds the right way and right balance to do that in order to drive dollars while still leveraging, you know, the social media and the the virtual setting allows for things that a lot of organizations haven't thought about before, like leveraging communications interns and and other, um, you know, college and and entry level and, and, you know, talent at all levels, but being able to do that to take advantage of the virtual space. And so um, it's simple initially to think about things that potentially could be slashed, but it also, again, is a matter of going through each area of the organization and finding out how those areas will be successful going forward um, and what the budget for that does need to look like.
0: Some of those thoughts are, are a little bit around um, you know, your existing commitments, too, that if you're in an owned building, of course, you, you've got an investment in that space. I'm not a big um, believer in you know the sunk cost fallacy if it, it really just makes sense to get rid of the building that you already own well then you know okay let's talk about what it costs to do that and do the cost benefit analysis on it but that doesn't mean you just can pick up another building again in 3 years and have that really make sense either you know hold on to the thing that you've got even though you may not fully utilize it right now or look at, we're not going to have this kind of space anymore. And our whole model is going to shift. And then we, you know, all those things are really important, but uh, they're, they're so um, impactful over time, which is so hard to think about right now when it's like, well, nobody's been in the office for 12 months or, you know, 10 or whatever in the world, the number may be. Um, Do we really need that? And I agree with you that it's really hard to envision, well, right now we're doing that because we just safely can't do it a different way. (laughs) But when that changes, and, and, you know, gratefully, it seems to be changing, you know, fairly soon, we're recording this in February 2021. And um, we're making some progress. and, And, you know, hopefully, it won't be a lot longer before that becomes an option but I got to think if you're leased into a space for six more years or you own a building, the opportunity to shift out of that, um, you know, is very different from, well, the lease is up in six months anyway. And, you know, what do we do about that conversation? Um, How do you, how do you think through things like, you know, the long-term commitment versus the, you know, this might've been cheaper for the next 18 months, but. Um,
1: You know, I, I think it comes into, to a discussion about, the again, the cost of maintaining the space, the future plan, and the future plan um, also needs to involve a discussion around what is the organization going to look like a few years down the road. Um, a lot of times, organizations hired, for example, internally for most resources yeah. um, because they had the building in it. Everybody was physically connected and things like that, and, and because the idea of virtual was uncomfortable for everyone. Well, when driven there, that's also now caused a number of organizations to look at opportunities to outsource non-core functions, whether that's HR or IT or accounting. Um, And so when you go back, and if you do, will everyone go back? Will the organization run the same way? Will it have the expertise in the existing team to um, meet the needs in the future? So um, when mapping out the space, will it all be used should some of it be rented, or again, uh, does it justify keeping it? Um, that's part of again the overall organizational plan, and it's really important to get that in place. The other thing to consider is that um, you know it's it's not a big purchasing market right now <laughs> for commercial real estate, right. especially. So um, you know, can could you actually get what you need to uh, on a, on a purchase of a space? Um, or could you get out of lease? Whatever the current situation is, will you be able to do that in a way that actually covers the obligation um, and is, again, everything's a gamble, but sustaining it for that, that next couple of years, will that um, you know, pay off and, and be a better decision?
0: Yeah, so, so much to work with and I appreciate the fact that thinking about going to an outsourced organization that can see other things. Here's what I see other groups, your size, your um, business line, what not thinking about can really help um, broaden that perspective of, oh, right, it isn't just, what does it cost us to operate that space right now or when does the lease run out, but also these other things of, will we have the same staff components that we have today in the future, if if there is just better support and understanding of remote, and that might mean outsourced, different from how it's been before, super interesting to me to think through those. It's challenging, I think, for the managers to really think of, you know, what might that change look like in in twenty twenty three versus right now. Uh, you mentioned the real estate market as one of those things that's um, the the whiplash here in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota, that where I live of everybody moving into the downtowns in the last 10 years and, uh, all this concentration and everybody loving that lifestyle and now realizing they've put themselves into fairly small living footprints that they're not leaving. And certainly <laughs> right. yes, everybody's yes. going out to the exurbs going, well, if I'm yes. not going to be leaving my house to go to all the cool places right next to me downtown, then I may as well go have a lot of land and a lot of building and all that thing. So the commercial spaces, you know, are, I think experiencing that same moment of, uh, you know, everybody was kind of rushing into some collaborative spaces, and certainly co-working as a big trend prior to the um, pandemic. I've seen with a lot of nonprofit organizations where they really did say, "Yes, we want a space to gather, but we don't need our own space all the time." Uh, and being able to provide access to things like co-working facilities really had become something on the on the verge many of them not being able to be open in the same meaningful ways in the last year that they had been. But as we recover and kind of think about that blend again, um, how do you think about the cost of an employee who may not want to work at home when everybody else does want to work at home? They do have the small kids or a lot of other reasons why it's not a conducive work environment to work from home, and they need somewhere to go, but you don't want to keep an office just for them. Uh, How do you start thinking about that when you're kind of at the whim, well not whim is a wrong word, but you're you're at the the necessity of your co-working partners as to whether that space is going to be available to them. And you don't necessarily have as much control as if you owned it.
1: Well, I, I think that it's going to come down to across the board and in all areas of the organizations. Flexibility and agility over the next few years is going to be key um, because you are going to have personal preferences about where people want to work. You're going to have liability that everybody's dealing with right now about if you ask people to go back to a physical space of any kind. Yeah. What liability? are you dealing with um, but to your point there are going to be people who want to and so um, setting aside for a moment that we the conversation we were just having about real estate you do own <laughs> and are bound to um, if you have that flexibility um, finding something that can be adjusted month to month or at least year over year um, is going to be important and is going to allow organizations to continue to shift to where you know the revenues are, are coming from where their program success is being found um, and and their internal staffing. Um, geographically, you know, I was on a a call yesterday that was, um, New York based, but everyone was chiming in about the warm locations and (laughs) everywhere else where they were taking the call from. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think organizations are going to find, you know, there are many people who will stay local, but other incredibly important talent and resources that won't. So, um, being able to have on demand really that variety, um, so that everyone is having their, their needs met as much as possible and the organization is staying both protected but also competitive um, is just going to mean there isn't going to be a, a one size that fits any organization for a while, and also any extended time period. So it, it, that just drives back to co working spaces being certainly one one great opportunity, they're dealing with their own issues through this, and a mm-hmm. lot of it is out of our control. It's you know, right. um, so. Being able to adjust, stay nimble, um, being able to to um, be, again, competitive in the workspace, because just as you're driving, hey, we can work from home. Well, another organization will be driving. We can bring you into an office and someone <laughs> may prefer that. So so it, it's going to just you have to serve all people at this point.
0: Right. That suddenly that you know Friday bagel is like, oh, my gosh, somebody else gave me a piece of food that hasn't happened in a year. Oh, this right. is the best thing. <laughs> Uh, what you know used to be a little bit more of a common well you know sure there's bagels in the conference room on Fridays that's nice but you know now this I've not had that experience of some kind of level of support and it feels different to say maybe we can you know offer that. I appreciate the flexibility word, like moving forward, but it it also maybe changes the thinking a little bit about where some nonprofits uh, had thought about, you know, like ownership of real estate, for example, um, as something that can shore up the balance sheet. Like we're we're not going to have constantly rising rates and all the rest of it, and that. Gives you less flexibility, but you know maybe we thought that was a good trade-off at one point. You know, if if those prices come down and they come down and they come down, do folks think, wow, maybe this is just the time to go ahead and lock in uh, for who we are, even though everybody else is saying flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. Um, does does that come up, and and are there any red flags around that for you?
1: Um, it, it does come up. There are. Uh, The red flags are, as we've just discussed, the unknown. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, all of this last year has been unknown. Um, And I think for some, it sets the stage of, you know, is this the first unknown? And then there will be others that follow. Have we just entered a different time in life where... where that longevity um, and the ability to look that far forward is, has been altered. Uh, but to you know, as far as market prices and certainly some, some upsides and benefits to acquiring right now, there's no question. And I think it, it needs to come down to a best, it, and would that space be as large as you might otherwise acquire? Or again, mm-hmm. is it a smaller purchase um, that supports a, a smaller and core team or mission? Um, still leaving some flexibility then that maybe not everyone will inhabit that space. Base. Um, so as part of an overall strategic plan, everything is going to be best guess. I, I do think for a while there's going to be some reluctance um, to lock into anything that couldn't meet a future situation like what we've just been through.
0: So uh, I, I've been throwing like a lot of very specific questions at you, but I haven't thrown a more general. Um, as you're helping uh, that more mid-sized charity begin this conversation, if they show up to you and say, All right, we've survived this far using these techniques," um, you talked about planning. Um, how do you begin? helping them plan if there's a new client that comes in the door what what's the big generals you start looking at uh if there is any kind of big generals that you can identify that are places to start thinking about how you develop that flexible plan for how they adapt in this world
1: oh we do and and it, we approach it in a with uh, visuals and and really from a uh very methodical um, conversation. And it starts with how is the organization being led right now? And if we start, if you needed to start today, um, what expertise would be needed? What guidance and support and resources would be needed? Um, Where are you today in terms of sales and marketing efforts? Where, you know, are we seeing the most market success? The, the, a fortunate part, I guess, is now being a, a year-ish out, um, we do have some information and some sense and, and visibility into what others, at least at this moment, are doing and what we can in some ways expect over the next several months. Um, and so uh, there's still obviously a lot of room for, for error and adjustment, but we step-by-step step walk through each of the best practice areas of the organization, um, really a SWOT assessment of, of what the organization mm. is seeing, but overall um you know best best practices and you know what's happening in the in the community and the market overall uh, and and chart that path for the next 12 18 24 months um with the you know here's first and most likely scenario but here's second and third and fourth and making sure that even when we're saying being, you know, needing to be agile and needing to be adjust, uh, able to adjust, that we've come up with a likely plan <laughs> if that needs to happen so that nothing um, hopefully needs to be knee-jerk again.
0: So uh, a little more scenario planning than maybe everybody has done before. And this has been something that nonprofits have been encouraged to think about where you're going with plan A, but you've already done plans B and C to some sketched level. It may be not as detailed as plan A, but you know what plan B and plan C look like in general if you know, we're allowed to, you know, school kids are called back into school all the way through high school. You know, for example, where we are right now, uh, there's um, some y- very young children that are back in person, but most uh, older kids are not yet. So if that changes, here's what plan B, you know, looks like what we expect. That's not going to change through the rest of the school year at this point. I, we just don't see it happening. So uh, that there are tools that are, I think, very helpful in that, but it's maybe that what had been the, the eat your vegetable moments of nonprofit management, like you really should have been doing this in the past. If you had given it the attention and bandwidth that would be nice, but an awful lot of charities sort of feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm so stretched just trying to manage plan a that thinking about b and c is just more than i can do and they push it off this really pushes that back to the fore like maybe you should spend a little of that time in a scenario thinking through what does it look like and what are the triggers when you really have to go maybe it's time to activate plan b here's the triggers that we were expecting uh i assume part of that part of what you're talking about yes
1: Yes, because okay. certainly the greatest um, loss of time and ultimately the greatest expense, usually when you look back at it, is trying to pivot without a plan when you need to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so working through that now um, in an organized way and, and in a thoughtful way, um, it's, it's also because those who are fastest to market to look for the funding and to look for the next mm-hmm. path when, when that's needed um, is going to put you ahead of, of every other, frankly, competing organization and mm-hmm. the attention of the community.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. I think to me, one of the challenges there is um, trying to decide you know, when things are to the point where you need to make that pivot. And I, I feel like sometimes we um, hesitate too long on that decision-making process. And then you know, it was two months ago that we really should have made that pivot and two or three other organizations that are trying to reach the same audience as you are did. Um, and they've got that head start now. And we didn't know exactly what our trigger point was. And maybe there's where um, working with an outside organization to help them see, you know, what are some of those moments where we go, if this is the thing, you know, kids get back into school April 1st, or, you know, the government restrictions on in-person meetings are lifted to 50, or some, you know, thing that you can point to and know we, we, we won't hesitate anymore when that thing happens. That's the time when we change. Could be really helpful to think about now, right?
1: Absolutely, and I think that that actually comes to looking at the personalities and behavior and risk, want versus tolerance of both the leaders in the organization, Mm. but also the outsiders you're working with. That should be aligned, Um, and if you are working with individuals who largely went quiet during this first round – do you have the team in place across the board internally and in and, and the service provider community who will be at the front line of any future challenges and, and navigate that successfully? Because that pairing really matters.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So we're starting to run a little low on time. And I'm wondering if there are things that we haven't talked about yet that you want to make sure people are considering as they look at you know these changes over the long term.
1: I think that it just continues to be a situation where, you know, change certainly is uncomfortable um, and it is requiring education. um, But it's, it's now an acceptance that this, you know, we first hoped it might be eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks of just a temporary change in life. And, and then there was some exhaustion, you know, for, I think for, especially in the fall after we got, got to the point where it had been several months, but the adrenaline started to wear off. And now in this period of time, there has to be that commitment to upgrading skill sets, upgrading strategy, um, because either, again, the market, the world is gonna drive it, um, competing organizations for those dollars and that support and the attention is gonna drive it, or the organization, unfortunately, through inefficiency and through not adapting, will um, not have the resources to continue.
0: Yeah, and that I think that that's the, the other big question mark that I throw out there is you know what does it not having resources to continue mean? Because there is that option of some some debt if you can get through. If they really know that there is a, a change in model, there is a thing you can do, and it's a short term tool um there's nothing wrong with that if you have the plan for how you're going to move past it at some point so looking at not only the the things we've already mentioned in terms of you know payroll protection or other types of uh, loans like that but there are other types of debt that people could yeah. use if you have the plan to get you know, back out of it. And um, I'm always a little cautious of uh, um, those initial, you know, kinds of, we're just in a really bad place right now. So let's just get some cash and then we'll figure it out. And um, that can be a a real trigger for me as somebody who helps people raise funds going, um, you figure it out when? Uh,
1: (laughs) Right, right. Yes. You know, I think time period and amount, those those are the things that need to be considered in that situation is, do we need to obligate ourselves for 30 years versus two or three or four? Um, And do we need the full amount that we're allowed to borrow? Um, Or do we, have we now established a plan that says we need X amount to get us through this period of time? So if you're going to borrow, it's it's borrowing responsibly based on that updated plan and, and really what you think can be repaid.
0: Sure. Uh, one quick question about employees, as we're again kind of running a little low here, so I don't know if we can dive too far into this. But um, part of the question mark of operating here is when you are working from home, what types of supports do you provide employees beyond just you know their pay? Uh, the the idea of you know well now you're using home internet to support work. Maybe you're using your personal mobile phone when you didn't have that as a Uh, You don't have a a work line there. Uh, Are there things to think about in terms of maybe we do provide a stipend for people to um, have internet access from a different workspace, whether it's home or somewhere else? Maybe we do start thinking about IP-based telephony for the organization and providing something that equivalents a phone wherever they are. Um, Those aren't things that we've always talked about doing, but I think as it becomes longer and longer are maybe pieces that get into play here.
1: Well, yes, I would say um, all of those things that, and and really that's threaded into the conversations about technology, cybersecurity, um, how we're going to navigate all of that. But things like cell phone reimbursements, um, even because employees are using resources at home, you know, office supplies of, of various kinds, yeah. um, companies are really factoring in that balance between again, what can we afford <laughs> um, versus what allows us to to keep talent. What is what is fair? Uh, what is um, kind of you know market acceptance or a little bit of you know, a little bit ahead at this point, but also, um, you know, there are organizations that have looked at, you know, uh, coupons for people or vouchers for people to use toward their lunch delivery or grocery delivery, oh. because there's been discussed, you know, an offset <laughs> and increased cost for people, frankly, who are at home and never get the office lunch anymore. Yeah. Um, or so, so yes. And I think that's where coming in, And having a conversation about now, what are the employees incurring that they didn't before? Where is the organization saving in a lot of those areas? Um, and, And do we now offer stipends and things to at least share some of that shift?
0: Right. Because I technically, I don't think that that's in many cases required uh, to say, I will help you pay for that internet that you had anyway. But now it's being fairly taxed because you're using it and you've got three kids using it. And, you know, maybe you even need to up the level of service that you had from um, what you previously mm-hmm. had. You may maybe not required, but it certainly makes sense. And if you're looking to really invest in a long term relationship with that employee, you may want to take a little of that savings from the office and think about investing it that way.
1: Yes. And for for organizations that do that, the one suggestion we have is that to consider education that goes along with that, Mm -hmm. um, that the organization may provide about the tax implications or the resources for individuals to find out (laughs) what those are, because that's where it starts to have an impact as well.
0: Well, that is a wonderful kind of closing thought to say, if you're not sure what some of those things are, uh, you can contact uh, Jennifer Catrullia at Citrin Cooperman. We'll have links in the show notes for how you can reach her and talk to other people like those advisors ask those questions, uh, start thinking about those things, even if you're maybe not making a change this week or next month. Um, I do think that there are longer term changes. And I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to share some of your thoughts about them. So Jennifer Catrulia, partner at Citrin Cooperman. Thank you so much for taking your time today.
1: Steve, thank you.